0: No,
1: the right house.
0: No, I did it, We that want to talk to Marilyn
1: Hack.
0: I'm from Canada Water.
1: Communities are being bullied just like we are. What they need is cash. Yeah, because the miners have always come to our aid, haven't they? It we? doesn't matter. It's the right thing to do.
2: So we are going to pick a mining town completely at random. Uh, Wales. Die! Your gaze have arrived.
1: Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that loves him, Daddy. Every week on This head Oscar Buzz we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died and we are here to perform the autopsy. I'm your host, Joe Reed. I'm here as always with my gay who supports the minors, Chris File. Hello, Chris. Lesbians and gays support the minors. This is, as I said before we started recording, this is going to be Chris Files' uh, audition reel with him uh, performing... I'm just,
2: this episode is basically just me putting myself on tape. Great. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, no, I feel like this episode is going to be Chris File trying not to get very angry and crying about uh-huh. the state of... Uh, you know, queer rights within uh, the United
1: States and the world at large. Um, I thought that, too, as I watched this. Like, I, I've, I've watched this movie many, many times now, and I always tear up by the end, of course. Um, but I it was impossible for it not to dawn on me. Like, we've talked about doing Pride for the month of June, because it's Pride Month uh, in the United States. and I feel like um, we
2: talked about even doing it last
1: year, and then we
2: got on the other side of June, because for whatever reason during the summer, we're always cramming these episodes in. Well,
1: by the time we're done with May miniseries, our brains are empty, and yeah. our, like we've lost all we sense of like, what our give. other plans are. We right. are hollow shells to the um, point where we almost forgot it this time and we had to like last minute change our schedule because thank God you remembered that we had um uh we had made several promises to do this movie in June and I've I've been wanting to talk about this movie for a while but you you know you're not more than 5 minutes into this movie before you realize oh this is a particularly appropriate time to be talking about this movie this movie that talks about not only Gay rights, but labor rights. were, you know, as we're recording this, the writer strike is still going on. As we're recording this, um, the trans rights are under under siege in several states. I say this as if with the you know naive hope that we come out on the other side and there's maybe some better news. But like, the news has been is, has been rough. But there is no you know no better time to talk about solidarity and you know I like cross. Shit. I mean.
2: Yeah. You talk about the idea of like allies and like certainly, you know, Pride Month and everything has become so corporate that, you know, things like this just become talking points that you can kind of roll your eyes at. But I think this movie does it incredibly well. Yeah. And uh, I hope our listeners are keeping that in mind, especially if they are the type of listener that goes and watches the film. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, you know, if you are. Right now, a cisgendered person in this country, please, uh, now is not the time to shut up or not speak up uh, in speaking out against these legislations that are, you know, using such broad language to attack as many people as they can, and especially trans people and gender non-conforming people or people who express their gender in a way outside of the binary. Um, yeah, now is not the
1: time to shut up. We're stronger together. We are... Uh, the, all of our... What happens to one of us what happens to, is what happens to all of us you know what I mean like that's sort of that's that's something that you know I believe but I also you see something you see a movie like Pride and it's and it's underlined in a very specific way in a way that you know has a historical context to it, but is also a much more universal message that applies to uh, any number of contexts, but uh, specifically what's going on in the world today so and support um, unions. <laughs> Support unions. Support, uh, uh, support your, your brothers, sisters, and gender nonconforming folks. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about the 2014 movie Pride, one of my favorites. One a of movie we love. Uh, it's one of those movies that presents as a very sort of comforting genre that I love, which is British. Social, like social commentary with a ton of, you know, heart and sentiment and uplift uh, and humor. And, you know, it's. The United States does not have this genre of movie. You know what I mean? Even when you talk about, like, they don't make them, like, they used to anymore. I don't even think, like, there was a moment, like, when, like, you know, we talk about, like, legal thrillers in the 90s or whatever. Like, I don't know if America's ever really done this movie, this kind of movie well in, like, our living memory. Do you know what I mean? The social uplift, uh, serious comedy. And, and... I guess I would imagine that has something to do with sort of the the cultural specificity of Great Britain and the United Kingdom in general and um and this movie obviously is based on a true story and has such specificity to like Welsh people and there's you know Andrew Scott's character who um who has such a very specific relationship to his history, and and you know, uh, Bill Nye's character, and 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 Imelda Staunton, and just there is a there is a lot of history to this cultural history to this movie that I'm not really as plugged into, but as a sort of tourist to this, I find uh, illuminating and and enlightening. And also incredibly watchable. It's just an incredibly lovely uh uh heartwarming sounds pejorative, you know what I mean? Like so, I, I feel I don't like so many that.
2: of the descriptors you could use to describe this movie sound like a pejorative or sound like you're patting it on the head or something. But this I mean, like the depth of feeling of this movie is mm-hmm one of its assets especially for totally. a movie that is fundamentally uh an ensemble movie i think for someone who's maybe familiar for this movie of this movie but hasn't actually seen it you're probably expecting a lot more amount of and a lot more bill nye based off of like the poster right. of the movie or maybe sure. what you've seen in the trailer uh and you know f- there's certainly the like key figures of this movie but there is a certain amount of compassion given to every single character in this movie. They all feel fully fleshed out and integral to what this movement mm-hmm. was. Yeah. In a way that feels like it's doing justice by the subject matter of what it's portraying and that mm-hmm. it is not ever about one person. It is about a collective. It is yeah. about, you know, everyone's, you know, journey through this process.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's a movie that values um, both individual interactions and also group action. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, both of those things at once, which I find um, very smart. This it uh, It's also a movie that is going to give us a lot of avenues to talk about, right? We're going to be mm-hmm. talking about the Cannes Film Festival. We're going to be talking about the Golden Globes. We're going to be talking about... Theater directors who, you know, become film directors. And, uh, and of course, this cast, which in 2014, it was already a pretty strong cast. And it's like there were definitely people, obviously, we all knew who, uh, Imelda Staunton and Bill Nye and Dominic West and, you know, uh, Patty Considine were. But like, this is a cast. The real that's, ones knew who Andrew Scott was already. Well, that's the thing. is... It Okay. Uh, what did you know Andrew Scott from by the time you saw this movie?
2: Uh, saw him on Broadway with Julianne Moore and Bill Nye in the Vertical Hour. <laughs> <laughs> ah,
1: very nice. Um, Which,
2: like, at the time, I like that play a
1: lot more
2: than most people. But at the time, it was just kind of like, okay, this is just like. I think line. also
1: by this point he was known from Sherlock. I'm pretty sure. Uh, um, not playing... a real one
2: here then. That's, that's sure for me. But, uh, but I think by uh, that Andrew point, Scott was tremendous in that show.
1: Yeah. Um. Who's the playwright of the Vertical Hour? David Hare. Right. Is it the Vertical um,
2: Hour? Am I? conflating that with a different show. Hold on, please. I don't know.
1: You look that up. I'll I'll remind our listeners. Cuz that's that like the Scott...
2: that's like the the era of Broadway play that was like the blank blank and it would be sure. You know, noun associated with adjective that doesn't seem like it goes with that noun.
1: Well, and I also think of like the real thing or like um, you know, the blue, the blue room or the I don't know. I don't know other things like that. But anyway, Andrew yes, Scott, Vertical Hour, yeah, uh, played the the Moriarty character. On what
2: was the, the what was the 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 COVID Tonys that there was the play that got a bunch. It was something like the Vertical Hour.
1: It was like the COVID Tonys. Um, <laughs> well, well I, mean, I
2: guess that's a noun and adjective. <laughs> Using COVID as an adjective.
1: Wow. I know. Um hold on, I'll look it up twenty twenty one Tony Awards. Uh let's see.
2: Pre hot <laughs> priest Andrew Scott, and now everyone Right. Is... Are you thinking of the
1: inheritance?
2: No, no, not okay. that. Not by that the way everyone wanted to hate. As and we uh it as we like it was uh, fine.
1: record this next week's uh the other two, but uh by the time people are listening to this it would be uh Uh, Episode 5 of The Other Two has a tremendous uh, joke about both The Inheritance, but also Angels in America, but also like any of these sort of expansive gay plays. Um, uh, Can you stand in my
2: truth for a second? You and I have had this conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not fully on board
2: with this season of The Other Two. We have had this conversation.
1: Have you watched this week's episode? Not yet, no. Watch it first. Okay. 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 I love it so much. I love it so so much. Um I I, I can't I can't uh, co-sign with you on this. I think it's a tremendous season of the other two. And I think, I think it's
2: clearly the weakest season thus far. Thus far, I mean like we'll see how I feel on the opposite keep end, watching. but the the first the three or so episodes that I've watched two, maybe three, I'm like
1: this is probably going to be the weakest season. It's definitely it takes a more Pronounced step towards surrealism, which I think took me a f- little bit to get used to. I think by episodes four and five, it gets fantastic. Are I you feel like of- episodes
2: one and two for me were taking a pronounced step towards not being as funny
1: as it's been? I cannot, I cannot go with you on that. the The whole thing with Brooke being a ghost and wanting to know what DaBaby baby did, I think is a tremendously <laughs> funny joke. Um, are you thinking of? The Lehman Trilogy are you thinking of? uh it's what, like one of those play? shows that has like Jane Alexander in it, Jesus Christ, that's Holy. very specific um Mary Louise Parker won a Tony Award for something called The Sound Inside. Are you thinking of that?
2: Maybe I mean there's always shows on Broadway. There's always plays that have uh-huh. titles like this where it just feels like you know I always talk darts about. At a dartboard that has words on it, you know.
1: Estelle Parsons got nominated for a play called The Velocity of Autumn, which to me is like that sounds like a fake play title. Like that, <laughs> that to me is always like my number one. Um, uh, anyway, I don't know. I'm, I, I can't anyway, keep going back through, to, let's, uh, let's, let's get back Tony to Pride and off of the COVID toadies, yeah, the, <laughs> the COVID, COVID toadies, the. <laughs> But anyway, what I was trying to say was before you decided to butt in with your bragginess about having seen Andrew Scott on Broadway before anybody knew who he was. Um this is a cast that looks very that is all the more impressive from a 2023 perspective than uh, you know, we didn't really know uh who George Mackay was back then. We didn't really uh, more people now at least know who Andrew Scott is. And um it's it's a really phenomenal cast and um, I love everybody in it so much. And I don't know, talk about, uh, uh, talk about this cast for a second.
2: I mean, I, I most fall in love with the people who you don't, these are probably actors you've may or may not have even seen again since this movie. The ones that you like that, are less famous, including some of these actresses who are uh, in the they like the Welsh allies, basically. Yes. Um Obviously, there's Imelda Staunton there, but uh, iconic Queen Mena Trussler with uh, "Where Are My Lesbians?" I
1: do. Lo- we do. She is a an unofficial mascot of this head Oscar buzz. Um, <laughs> Where are my lesbians? What a... It's, it's again... Where are my lesbians? In a lesser movie, that plays as kind of a clunker, right? Like, all of her stuff, yes. like, plays a lot more clunkily. And it and it's yes. really is a testament to the fact that, like, a movie can earn its sentimentality. And a movie can earn its kind of um, middle-brow humor, you know what I mean? In a way that makes it work, you know what yeah. I mean? And I think y- you you allow and you f- afford a kind of grace towards a movie that is doing so many things well that, um, you know, a character like this, who is like, you know, Granny gets cool with the lesbians, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, she's <laughs> she has uh, the line from the trailer, which is just uh, talking about... You know, I, I you can answer you can answer this question. Uh, I've heard about lesbians, and and uh, I've always wanted to know. And you can clear this up for me. And they're like, no, 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 no. And the question ends up being like, are all lesbians vegetarians? Um, well, and then they tell her, actually,
2: we're vegan. And yes. then she's re traumatized.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is a movie that makes it work to have like a Mel uh, in a bondage club you know what I mean like all these things and that could like seem refusing
2: really corny uh, and like uh, refusing to be denied. absolutely from... she will be there but then it's just like you get this panning shot afterwards that is a both very funny but also in the context of this movie and what the movie had the feeling that yes, the movie I think that's has earned that's it's very thing. moving to see like Imelda Staunton just having a casual
1: conversation in a dimly lit bar with like a guy in leather gear. They know? at one point during that shot, they pan past somebody and it's like a couple of the the Welsh ladies just talking to a guy with a ball gag in his mouth. And yeah. like again, like it's a it's talking a joke. at him because he right. cannot speak. Right. Um but uh, it's it's again could come across as corny but really, really doesn't in the context of this movie. Um
2: I would have to say that my favorite of that part of the ensemble is actually Jessica Gunning's performance. So good. She's so good. As Shan, yeah. mm -hmm, Who... Uh, you know, you learn through the aftertitles the woman that she is playing, you know, eventually uh, went to school, uh, got through Congress. Like, just, you watch this woman get activated uh, yes. within the movement and also becoming, you know, just a real uh, I mean, like, I don't want to keep saying the word ally in this because, like, people use Listen. ally in a way that means absolutely nothing. But, like, you see through this character
1: in a way that it does mean something. And, you know, her Wikipedia page is a photo of her. This is Shan James, by the way, who is a member of parliament for Swansea. um, uh, Or was uh, 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 for for a time in the uh, aughts. Um, Wikipedia photo is her in a pink t-shirt with a pink feather boa from Amsterdam Gay Pride in 2016. So, like, uh, ally feels appropriate, right? You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Clearly, this has been a part of her uh, her life's work. So... um, we we love and support our political allies. So but that's the that's again, that's that's what this movie is, right? It is it's finding allies and not allowing there are eight billion reasons why gay activists and striking minors could have found to avoid each other and mm-hmm. to not build this alliance. On both sides, there are good reasons. You get that moment. When uh, Mark Ashton is pitching this idea to his group of gay activists, and the one guy is like, these minors who are striking, these are the people who made my life hell growing up. These are the people who kicked my ass every day walking to school, and they kicked my ass on uh, every day walking home from school. And he sort of walks out and, like... That's a valid, you know. That's a valid lived experience from this person. There are so many reasons why, uh, that you know that gay people could be like, why, you know, these people, why uh, 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 the screenwriter, uh, whose name is Stephen Beresford, um, essentially said when he was c- had conceived of this movie. Because he didn't really that part of the the conception for this movie was not a lot of people know this story not a lot of people know this you know thing that actually happened and he was uh, it came from a sort of conversation slash argument he was having with a friend of his who was essentially saying, why should I give a shit about these you know minors why should I give a shit about people who don't give a shit about me why why should I care about uh these people who You know, would probably call me, uh, you know, a faggot or, or you know, some other, you know, horrible slur, and, and then his friend told him about this, you know, this event from, uh, from the nineteen eighties, and this sort of historical uh, kinship between the miners and gay activists, but it's, it's a thing of like, it's a obstacle. Right, mm-hmm. it's an obstacle for all these people, and with eight billion reasons to say, you know, we are, our efforts can be better spent within ourselves, within our own borders, within our own, you know, community. And it's that act, it's that thing that Patty Considine's character says, right? The thing he makes the very big symbol of, like the handshake, right? Two people reaching out and taking taking the chance to and like risking ridicule essentially right to accept the help and extend help to people who are not like you and it sounds very simplistic but it's 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 emotionally deeply complicated and i think Mm -hmm. this movie acknowledges both of those things that's why i think it's great you know what good movie Good movie. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the plot, Chris. Um, uh
2: plot description's gonna be hard for this without overgeneralizing, but there's so many characters that are <laughs> sure. like part of the tapestry of the movie that it's like you sure. can't get into the weeds with
1: any one character. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Well, lower expectations all you want, but you're gonna be on the clock for sixty seconds. Okay, great. Um, are you ready? Yes. All right, Chris File, sixty-second plot description of the twenty fourteen movie Pride starts now.
2: All right, so we're going back thirty years in time to the British miners' strike. Meanwhile, there are there are uh, LGBTQ activists in uh, the British Isles, uh, you know, working for their own causes. They get in they start a group called Lesbians and Gays Support the Minors, and they are looking for a partnership uh, throughout uh, the protests uh, going on in the Miner Strike. They uh, strike a relationship with a with a Welsh town, 30 seconds. Uh, and uh, they all become enmeshed and ingrained in each other's and supporting each other's mutual causes. Meanwhile, uh, they develop these close relationships. We discover that uh, certain members are already afflicted with AIDS. One young man, played by a George Mackay is uh, hidden by his family uh, and pulled away from the th- town, and then he eventually leaves the house. Um, the mining strike ends. They go and show po- so show their support for the miners, and that is not forgotten because during the 1985 uh, uh, Pride Parade, the miners show up uh, to show their support to the queer community, and they're all at the front of the
1: Pride Parade. Boom! Ten seconds over. Solidarity, well worth it. Solidarity forever. Um. Uh, uh, victory to the Miners. Yes. Um, Support the Labor Party. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's the, the one of the postscripts, is that the Labor Party sort of adopted into their platform, um, essentially adopted gay rights into their platform. Somebody got the Labor Party on a cell phone video and had them mm-hmm. say gay rights, and they did it. Gay um, rights,
2: we see the gay flags over there, gay rights.
1: <laughs> um, miners' rights, we
2: see the miners' flags over there, Miners'
1: rights and i think it's one of those things where in this in this country in america for an american watching this movie in this country that has so sort of successfully eroded labor rights in so many sectors mm-hmm. right has, has has so um uh, successfully beaten down the prominence of unions and um for people to watch this movie in America and see the success of a labor movement and by the way, like the minor strike in eighty four and eighty five did not end victoriously for the miners Thatcher for all intents and purposes sort of like got the got the victory over them and it's and again, I say this with all due caveats as like I am not a scholar of this period I was a wee little toddler in real life when this was happening I'm also a dumb fuck American who like doesn't um uh I'm not an expert in that period in in British history but from the context that I have read through interviews with stephen Beresford and 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 mm-hmm. you know people talking about this movie that that minor strike is a defeat for uh for labor and this movie is a reminder and a sort of a little bit of a recapturing of that. In that, like, there was, there was success that comes out of that, right? A stronger, mm-hmm. more unified uh, worker, worker base, right? Worker environment, a labor party that managed to become even more representative of the working people of mm-hmm. Great Britain. Well, so, like
2: that whole postscript thing in this movie, that's normally a device that feels lazy or, right, you know, l- l- reductive in a way. I think in this movie, everything that it shows you throughout the movie, those postscripts are really impactful because it does you know show this all was not for nothing you know right and right. it's there there was a real striking of solidarity there there was you know bringing people together even though the minor strike was not successful that you know the efforts of uh, lgsm was remembered and they mm. still showed up for that yeah uh, for uh you know queer people
1: uh so it's sort of uh we're not a podcast that really goes through chronologically uh, to talk about a movie, but like, I want to start off by talking about the way that the gay characters are sort of introduced in this movie and are shown as a community and shown Mm -hmm. as a primarily an activist community, right? We see them obviously like, you know, they go out, they have fun, but this is not a movie that like, for example, spends a lot of time talking about, romantic entanglements or like like clearly there are there are strong feelings that are exist between let's say for example mike the joseph gilgan character and like uh, and mark where there's something of a longing there right there's something of Mm -hmm. something unspoken there we see a Joe, the Joe, uh, the George Mackay character, um, sort of has his first romantic experience with a guy at the at the uh, Bronski Beat concert. We see Steph um, uh, talk about her sort of love lorn sort of existence, right? And and she has all these exes, but uh, um, and then obviously Jonathan and Geffen are this like long time committed couple who represent a sort of generation before these younger um, agitators or whatever. But this is a movie that first and foremost sort of talks about them as an activist community. And I love that because I just, like, you don't see that as much, right? You know what I mean? Like, you don't, um, I just, there's so much of this movie that feels like this kind of thing existed in America, but, like, in a totally different way and, like, doesn't really exist in America's cultural conception. of Even when, like, American movies about gay history talk about this period, we get shit like Stonewall, right? Which, like, doesn't feel real. Which doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you're looking at real communities. Or you get stuff that feels very, like, historical travelogue, right? Like, this yeah. was... You know, this was an event that happened and this was an event that happened. And whereas this just feels like a very um, lived in gay, you know, friendship collective of people who are first and foremost activists.
2: That is also, you know, I think incredibly mainstream in terms of the, you know, sentiment of it, even though it doesn't really... Pull, I mean, like, I don't think it shies away from any of the, like, depth of it, you know? We've seen the ultra-mainstream version of it that's a piece of shit um, yeah. of this type of movie, but... Uh, where was I going with this it also there is a certain level of authenticity there because like I love a, a gay movie about infighting this yeah. is like this is like the mainstream BPM in a way and that I like, thought so about much BPM that movie is yeah. so like not just about activism obviously and not just activism of this or at least an adjacent period but so much about the process of organizing and Mm -hmm. infighting being such a part of that in this movie obviously you see the lesbian group that breaks apart and forms Mm -hmm. their own group because of not being able to have their voices heard within uh lgsm even though lesbian uh people do stay a part of that group yeah um Yeah, I love a movie about infighting. Because, like, you. I feel like you can't... Gay gay people and queer people are so uh, turned into a monolith in the culture that uh, we are never allowed to really have a a presentation uh, very often where it's like, well, we don't all fucking like each other. But we're also not all tearing each other down like monsters either. Right. this movie does that very
1: well. Well, and you see sort of like the frustrations that exist between like the tactical sort of uh, disagreements between Mike and Mark and the, you know, interpersonal sort of annoyances that some, you know, people mm-hmm. have with each other. Um, I would love to know how Ben Schnetzer gets cast in this movie, not because he's not good, because I think he's great uh, as Mark. Um, he's the only American in this cast and he's like, such a prominent role. And like I I I find it fascinating that he was it's not like it's not like they reached to get a name in this role. And like, well we had to get a name so we cast an American or something like that. Maybe it's like, just
2: because he pulls off that Morrissey haircut so well.
1: I mean, honestly I'd believe Is it Morrissey? because he does it's someone like that. It's, one of
2: the it, queer music
1: videos. um and, and, and Morrissey's
2: and, also a horrible person. Yes. So
1: uh, and can sport though a dangly earring but as good as any. The hair, else, too. the hair is great. The hair is fantastic. Um, I cannot speak towards accents, so somebody who's got, who's you know more of an expert in that can tell me how well he did accent wise. All I can tell you is, dumb dumb Joe walked out of this movie and had no idea that uh, that Ben Schnetzer wasn't um, American. The first tip off that I got was when I saw that his name was Ben Schnetzer, and I'm like, oh, is he like related to? The guy who played Cass on Another World, because soap opera Joe uh, immediately looked it up, and of course he is—he's Steven Schnitzer's son, and uh, and wow, Steven Schnetzer's sure American. So what's that? I said Nepo baby. Ah, yeah. Well, yes, and yet also, like, it's funny that like Nepo baby coming from like you know a soap opera lifer is is funny too, because it's like. Um, you're also uh,
2: not going to catch me uh, 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 besmirching the good name of Nepo Babies, some of my faves. Are listen,
1: <laughs> I he think it's a, a fascinating, shit. I think it's a fascinating conversation, but I don't, uh, ultimately to me, if you're good, you're good. And and if you got there, okay. we'll, we can be honest about how you got there. And, uh, but anyway, regardless, um. <sighs> I think she, he's. I think he's fantastic in this movie. Do think you think so you
2: were the 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 veil or the wool, whatever it is, was pulled over your eyes because
1: uh, you find him so smoochable? Oh no, I famously don't find uh, men in movies attractive, and I don't allow that at all. To uh, to. Uh, get in the way of my absolutely stone cold objective um, <laughs> way of of judging actors and actresses. Yeah, of course. Like he's hot as shit. Like uh, all the boys in this movie are very adorable to me. Um, Andrew Scott playing abashed. Like Andrew Scott is a very versatile actor who can play a lot of different types of characters. Right? He can play sort of a. Um, uh, a, a bureaucrat and he can play a villain, and he can play a hero, he can play a father to a free spirited uh, young girl in medieval times or whatever. Oh, uh, god, what a performance! Incredible. Go see Catherine Birdie if you haven't, yeah. Seen have it Gary's watched studio.
2: Catherine Birdie, Go do it.
1: Um, but in this movie, he plays this from the second you see him, he's more reserved than anybody else and you sort of wonder does he disapprove of these people is he like a little bit of like a grumpy older gay who like is annoyed by these guys and like the more you you see about Gethin, he has this sort of rich and sad history with Wales where he comes where he comes from and you know this fraught relationship with his parents as many gay people do and um watching him play sort of shy and abashed when he's when he finally does go to Wales and starts interacting with um the Welsh characters in this movie is so goddamn cute like it's above everything else it's affecting and it's well performed but it's also so goddamn cute well like, and he also
2: like you know y- he gets so ingrained very, very quickly too, despite, you know, all of his reservations and his fear, uh,
1: for lack of a better word, of getting yeah. involved.
2: Yeah. Um He got a
1: nomination that. for supporting actor by the British Independent Film Awards and uh or he won. Uh, he and Amanda Staunton both won. Uh and uh I think rightly so. I think were I a voter, I would have uh I would have happily cast my ballot for him. Um what did you think of George MacKay as Bromley as Joe um the sort of he's not quite a cipher but he's also like a central character who is very much not the most interesting character and i don't think the movie's under any illusion that he is the most interesting character either
2: it's probably the character that most veers towards you know cli- not eh, maybe cliche is too strong of a word but like the type of story we see when we see stories like this in movies that are not as good as he's
1: movie. shy he's, he's wondering if he's ever going to tell his parents the truth he's about him he's also the and... coming
2: out story of yeah this that's movie, what i mean yeah. even though essentially he he y- i i mean i do think that his coming out story is much more true than like the type of coming out stories we see all the time where it's just like you know, some conventionally attractive, usually white guy in movies is just like, I don't know. Do I come out? I'm a soft boy. And then they come out, and it's like pretty much all uh, embraced um, by everyone
1: around. Yeah. Him. He leaves his family he, by the end of this, and there's no sort of indication that that's ever going to change.
2: Well, but th- I think what's true about this is like he does have a community. That he's very out to simultaneously while being very closeted right. Uh, right. with his family. That is more honest to I think what a lot of people's experience is. That kind um, of double life. Yeah. To answer your question, you know how I feel about George Mackay as a performer. Do like- I don't feel any differently in this movie. Are you not a,
1: are you in general not a fan?
2: i am in generally quite not a fan what is Um, this coming
1: from what are what are the uh every performance (laughs) i have seen him give
2: um quite truly
1: i know you're generally not a fan of 1917 i know uh, i think 1917 is
2: not as good as it could be because i don't think he is good at all in that movie um all due I don't respect think that's a movie um, that
1: depends on. I don't know, I don't think that's a movie that depends on the actor, but I also think he's I kind of think it does. Um, he's also, um, and I'm trying to think of like the other movies that people might know him from. So he was the son in Captain Fantastic, uh, that uh, Vigo Mortensen gets a uh, nomination for. I always mentally put him in Dunkirk, I think maybe because of 1917. Um, I He's well, I mean, what,
2: be... a, a certain age range of twinks, they're, they're right. quite possibly in Dunkirk.
1: Did you ever see The True History of the Kelly Gang? Where yes, he plays he's not Kelly... good in it. Uh,
2: cool <laughs> movie, though.
1: <laughs> it is kind of a cool movie. So you were not, uh, you were not no, buying no. Uh, him listen, as... Nicholas uh... Holt
2: in Garters and nothing else in True <laughs> History of the Kelly Gang.
1: Yowie wowie, Um, Yes so he's in an upcoming movie uh directed written and the directed Joshua by Oppenheimer Joshua Oppenheimer who I documentary excited for this documentarian who directed uh, the films the Act of Killing and the Look of Silence which were both sort of these hand in hand movies about the Indonesian genocide that were tremendous and so mm-hmm. this taking a little bit, I would say, just a little bit of a, t- a turn from the documentary filmmaking. It's supposedly an apocalyptic musical um, about a family who lives in an underground bunker two decades after the end of the world. And it's Tilda Swinton, George Mackay, Michael Shannon, and I'm fascinated. It's- George Mackay as the child of
2: Tilda Swinton and Michael Shannon makes more sense than anything else in the world. It um, makes
1: complete sense. If you told me that let's talk about Nepo Babies, if you talk if you told me that George Mackay was like Tilda Swinton's secret son that she's not acknowledging or whatever for whatever reason, <laughs> like I would believe it. Um, I don't know. I, I also think in terms of acting styles,
2: he is right at the center of the Venn diagram of both of those two actors, but not the things that make them great. I don't want to just keep talking <laughs> on him as a performer. I I I, I don't think he's a performer. with much depth, personally. Um, I never understand who the person is that he is playing. Never. Um, Or do I get anything more than, you know, what is on the page? Um,
1: Never. All right. Uh, Who are your best in shows from this sort of uh, segment of the cast? The, uh, The LGSM folk. I mean... I do think Schnitzer is wonderful. Andrew Scott's wonderful. I love uh, Faye Marseille as Steph. I could watch a whole yeah. goddamn movie about Steph. I love her. She showed up in Andor, uh, uh, the first season of Andor, and I like whooped it up. I was so psyched. <laughs> um, I was so happy to see her. It was like an old friend.
2: Um, She's wonderful. You want more of her. I also want more of Joseph Gilgan. Um, yeah. His teeny tiny little hat um
1: that's he was, the one
2: where i'm just like what a handsome man i looked um, him
1: up and i was like where uh what other things that he had done he apparently was on that show preacher with sure. dominic west and, Newth- and ruth nega um and that's sort of the the maybe the most uh high profile thing he's been in um yeah he's wonderful in this movie i think he's so good and and again, this is a movie that really gives you a sense that these people have that you're you're seeing maybe just like the 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 tip of the iceberg of these characters and they all give the sense that they have these like really interesting, you know, lives that are happening even, you know, when you're not watching. Um I also loved Karina Fernandez and Jesse Cave as...
2: I always scream every time I see Karina Fernandez. Karina Fernandez also playing, uh, no offense to the real woman, the kind of quintessential white woman in Dreadlocks... um, (laughs) Yes. ...in this movie. Um, But I adore her as a performer, um, especially in Mike Lee's
1: films. She's so good in... um, it's another year, right, where she's right cuz she's the woman another that, year, that she Leslie in that Manville movie. like hates for for no good yes. reason. Yeah. Just like couldn't be a nicer,
2: more genuine uh-huh. person. Could not show Yes. uh Leslie Manville more effortless grace and like that only just like makes Leslie Manville fucking hate her even more because she's Ruth Sheen and Jim Broadbent's son's girlfriend. Yes. Um she's also uh, somewhat iconically, rather playing quite a cliche, um, but I think what makes the performance funny is not the cliches of it in Happy-Go-Lucky, where she is the flamenco teacher- The dance instructor, dancer, yes. Yeah. Who uh, unravels in explaining uh, what people need to like bring <laughs> to their dance, what they need to bring to them, unravels and reveals her own relationship issues and starts sobbing about her bastard boyfriend. Ah. Uh. She's great. Um, I love her.
1: And then uh Jesse Cave, who plays uh her girlfriend in the movie, which I didn't realize until I looked up the cast, is Lavender Brown in the Harry Potter movies. Correct, which uh, correct. Uh, and the uh half the thing I always said about Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, which was the uh the movie right before the two part uh final uh film that movie for long stretches becomes a romantic comedy it's in many ways one of my favorite movies <laughs> of the, the series stage, yeah. because stage. it like does just sort of like become a romantic comedy and she's so fucking funny and yeah. like it's a real highlight of that movie um in a way that like i like i read all the harry potter books and like lavender brown was like fine in the books but like she's so wonderful in that film and um so finding out that that's who she was because she's sort of like she's kind of hidden behind these big glasses in this movie in pride and whatever mm-hmm. and um uh stella's the one who gets all the sort of you know lines uh talking about wanting to form their little breakoff group and whatever um she's delightful so then you go to wales and you're introduced to this other very like very lived in community and it's another thing where like there are these relationships that you believe you know go back you know decades and decades and this you know community that feels very real uh uh, the scene where amelda staunton and bill nye are making butter or not even butter like margarine sandwiches like Mm -hmm. you know uh We haven't talked about Bill Nye yet. Well, we're gonna, uh, uh, this is why I'm introducing this. And and he's cutting the the sandwiches into little triangles. And he's being, he's this very soft-spoken, except for when he's talking about Union stuff. When he's talking mm-hmm. about, he gets really fired up talking about how much he hates Thatcher and about how, uh, the, you know, the pit and the people are, are uh, inextricable. But otherwise, he's this very sort of like soft spoken. He's, you know, he's a writer and he's this, you know, you still waters run deep with this guy. And initially awkward around LGSM. And you're because and we you think assume, he's this stuffy older yes. gentleman, you know, like. And you find out in this scene that he says, you know, well, I'm gay. And she says, well, I know, I know, I've known for a while. And she says, since about 1968. And there's a goddamn tome of story there in that scene Mm -hmm. right because all of a sudden then your conception and i mean maybe some people watching this movie like clocked you know clocked him early or whatever but you're realizing a whole story about this guy sort of unfolds in front of you in that moment of this is a guy who's lived in this town his whole life and has been closeted his whole life and what must he have been what must he think of this group of young and energetic and uh who have built this community around each other like in that moment i at least get very emotional be mm-hmm. thinking about this guy's life and this you know what where his head must be at at this moment and yeah. and the the movie just sort of like lets that kind of sit for a second and it doesn't really draw an arrow and he doesn't ever have this moment part of me I go back and forth wishing that maybe they had given him his character a scene with or a bond with one of the LGSM people Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean and maybe he has a conversation with just somebody just like where he uh, expresses himself and part of me feels like maybe that's a little too, um, like Fairy Godmother. You know what I mean? Right. And, well, and I he has that moment at the get, march at the end.
2: Yes, this is the scene I was going to say. What we do get yeah. with this character that's so good is, yes. uh... And, like, maybe, you know, queer people understand this scene on a level that, uh, uh, you know, straight people might not, in that he's being interviewed as a representative of the, you know, the minor support group <laughs> uh, by a local news station in the you know reporter is like all these like deviant gay and lesbians wh- isn't that weird that they yeah. just come into your town and the very casual without missing a beat uh queer confrontational uh yeah. sass for lack of a better word where he's just like well why would that be weird it's lady um, gaga
1: talking to anderson cooper and being like so what if i have a dick like that kind of stuff. <laughs> like what do people get? yes absolutely but it, you know it, but, it's also that
2: level of this woman absolutely assumes that she is speaking to a heterosexual man and yeah. doesn't know shit. He tells her she doesn't know shit without saying it. And it's like all of us who are watching that that know, know yeah. what he just did. And maybe, you know, the the straight people watching get a different message that they also need to hear.
1: But But there's also that beautiful moment. When the, at the pride parade at the end with the, you know, the miners are all leading the parade and everybody's got their banners up and Cliff, the Bill Nye character is sort of, you know, walking and he sees this banner that says like gay poets or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he kind of holds up and he walks, joins that group. And it's this thing of like, he has found his his niche right his Mm -hmm. people and it's this thing of like you know it's never too old you're never too old to find you know where you fit in exactly and Mm -hmm. and it's just a beautiful moment of this guy who probably and again it speaks volumes without saying anything about this character who like you know probably never never thought that he would find anything like a community and like who knows where it goes from there maybe it is just that one moment for him and he goes back to wales and he you know uh, uh, resumes his life but like to know that there is a community out there for him i think Mm -hmm. is a very beautiful moment well Um, and
2: i think especially with this character to describe these scenes makes it you know To describe it makes it, like, more pronounced than I think there is. There is a modesty to this movie that makes it way more effective than, like, other maybe similar movies that overplay these moments that, like, are just less effective and, you know, in that way become
1: less emotional. It's a movie that, when you describe it, sounds... Doesn't sound as good as it is. It's one of those things where I just tell people, like, just watch it. It's right now streaming on Paramount Plus. If you have Paramount Plus to watch Drag Race All Stars, next time you're on there.
2: As we were talking about last week with Selena, we
1: were making our own post Drag Race movie. This is a great post Drag Race movie. It's a wonderful post Drag Race movie. It's a perfect one, actually. So next time you're watching Drag Race All Stars and you need an act out to uh, replicate. Uh, you're feeling the lack of Mean Girls or Titanic in your life? Uh, uh, click on over on Paramount Plus and watch Pride. You will not regret it. Okay, so this movie premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in 2014. This is the in thing the I Actors often Sport forget. Night. I don't think I was paying. I pay attention to Cannes historically. I've paid attention to Cannes, sort of top level. I am always. I've never been a person who wants to read too many reviews of movies that I haven't seen because I get so paranoid about not having my own authentic reactions to things that I want to uh, sort of go in as as fresh as possible to things. I've gotten better at that. Um, Can is usually when
2: I break some of that because it's like it's so long until I'm going to see some of these things. I just want to read what there is about some things and then put it out of my mind and months later I will see some of this stuff. So
1: this was the can that Winter Sleep wins the Palm Door um uh Jane Campion's Jury. Jane Campion's Jury and that filmmaker uh whose name is escaping me um Bilge
2: sol- Chilon.
1: Yes, who has a film at this year's can which it could possibly win the palm again? I don't know. We are recording this mid-CAN. So. Yes. You'll know by the time you're listening to this whether uh, that has happened or not. But it's one of the better-reviewed films of so CAN far, so far. So far. Yeah. Uh, about dry grasses it is called. Okay, so, but uh, uh, Pride screened as part of Director's Fortnight, which is one of the several sort of satellite Festival Not officially
2: connected to the main festival, but because right. they are simultaneous, they there is a lot of connection there. You know, when you see press there, they will be accredited to both. I believe Directors Fortnight, if I've understood people correctly, if you get accredited to Cannes, they just give it to you at Directors Fortnight. It's in smaller theaters, usually more smaller, off the beaten path films that they've said they are. You know, kind of. Of late, cementing themselves as a festival for first and second time filmmakers, they want to do less of. Well, you weren't selected for Cannes, and we will accept movies. Less of like a consolation prize, right? We will. Th- there was historically like you're not accepted into main competition, so then they submit to directors' fortnight. I see. They're, they some now.
1: Now there are just movies that go that don't bother submitting to the right. main right. And
2: you see it in the directors' fortnight lineup now. Where it's like it, this year, it's a lot uh, smaller movies, but like an avenue mm-hmm. like that can get you uh, attention that maybe you would get buried if you were in in certain regard or you were in main competition. Right.
1: So this is actually a pretty like looking at this can lineup, and obviously hindsight matters a lot with with a lot of can lineups, and you you go back, but like this particular one, Winter Sleep wins the Palm, but like in competition were films like Mr. Turner, Mike Lee's Mr. Turner, Clouds of Sils Maria, Foxcatcher, Timbuktu, which was a foreign language film nominee? Great movie, yes. Uh, Fantastic movie. Uh, Two Days and One Night, the the Darden movie that gets a nomination for Marion Cotillard. Your Beloved, Maps to the Stars, David Cronenberg's... I uh, wouldn't say Beloved, but Julianne is amazing in that movie. Uh Jean-Luc Godard's Goodbye to Language which was the one that anytime you looked at still photographs of it in the a, in a review looked like a a, a magic eye uh, <laughs> uh image um or a your uh it was it was obviously it was a 3D movie that was uh I never saw Goodbye to Language. Did you ever see Goodbye the Language? I have not. Uh uh then I won't talk about it because like I'll probably sound stupid. But uh it was it was a visual it was sort of sold as this like visual spectacle, right? Yeah. Um Tommy Lee Jones is the homesman, of course, starring uh oh wait, what's Hilary Swank's character in that? It's like um uh Mary B. We need Cuddy, to do an episode on the right? Holmesman. Yeah. Uh, Force Majeure uh, screens in that festival at In Certain Regard. Uh, it Follows played Critics Week. Critics Week is another uh, sort of satellite uh, festival similar to Directors' Fortnight. Um, and then so Pride ends up winning the Queer Palm. So the Queer Palm explains sort of again like the, the, the Queer Palm sort of is any film that that screens at can in any capacity is eligible for this.
2: Yeah, so it's, it can be any of these satellite festivals. It could be main competition. It could be movies out of competition. I am not sure how they, these movies are eligible or selected for it. Like, for example, this year, right. I think there's not, um, I think there's only maybe two movies in the main competition that are eligible right. for the queer palm. I don't know if they submit to the queer palm organization themselves or if they're selected. Uh John Cameron Mitchell I believe is the head of the Queer yeah. Palm Jury this year. So the but,
1: 2014 Queer Palm Jury was headed by Bruce LeBruce who is a uh sort of famously uh how how would we describe Bruce LeBruce as uh, a queer auteur provocateur? I uh-huh. Bruce LeBruce is someone
2: lately who I realize I've never seen a Bruce LeBruce movie and I, I think I've seen on like that. one maybe
1: but yeah. But like but famously sort of, about- again, Provocateur is a good, uh, is a very sort of sure. like sexually frank and mm-hmm. and uh, explicitly titillating in a way that like, you know, it feels very artistic and very... I bring up this like, I don't know how they select these movies
2: for the Queer Palm lineup. Uh-huh. And this year the lineup is smaller, so
1: presumably it is uh, closer, but... The Year That Pride wins. There were 13 eligible films the Year That Pride won, and there were a Including handful of ones. Whiplash. That's the one I put it in our outline with like a bunch <laughs> of question marks. I guess I remember at the time that there were articles and sort of think pieces that were like, is J.K. Simmons' character in this movie queer? And and there are like, you know, uh things that maybe point to it and his sort of you know, this kind of uh, is this macho bravado sort of. Uh, I mean, the movie's about maleness, and you know, right. And so there are there are I there are ways to read that movie, but like it's surprising to me that a movie that depends on such an extra textual reading of the movie to qualify as queer, and I remember yeah. and like at the time, there were people who were like, I'm not sure why Whiplash is in this, uh, well, is eligible and, for this. Well, and I mean,
2: sometimes it can just be you have a queer filmmaker making something that's maybe not explicitly queer. Which is
1: Mommy, and that, like, I don't think Mommy has any, like, I don't think that character... Is you can that queer. character
2: could be read as gay, but like of mommy, course he can't. Right. But
1: like it's right, it's a similar but thing. But it's Xavier yeah. Delan
2: is gay, and right. also um, Celine Chiama's Girlhood. I I don't remember anything queer about that. I've movie, still never
1: it's... seen Girlhood's Like at the top of the like movies I need to see. Uh, I didn't see uh, it. The good movie, great performance. Um, uh, uh yeah. Also eligible that year, uh, Saint Laurent was the uh, Bertrand Bonello movie. Bertrand Bonello is another filmmaker who's got George Mackay in an com- upcoming movie, by the way. Uh, Melanie Laurent's uh, Breathe was uh, eligible that year. Uh, but so Pride wins, which I think is pretty interesting because you would imagine that even in, you know, not like the Palme d'Or, not like official competition. You would imagine that maybe a film like Pride would be seen as a little mainstreamy. Do you know what I mean? A little yeah,
2: and it's a you know, it's a It's crowd not like an art pleaser. film. Or, yeah. yeah, it's a uh, crowd pleaser. Yeah. You know, not necessarily not to say that it's not artful, but it's not an artistic statement. It's, it's a a not a an art movie, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um yeah. and that's not the type of thing you would think would be awarded there, and yet I do think you know it's a good call because yeah, you do see these like interconnected queer experiences and queer venues of thought, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, yeah, I don't even though we spend a lot of the time of this movie again with the finger quotes allies or even with you know the enemies you know the the one woman in the welsh town who is against them who has like the quintessential homophobic
1: haircut um. <laughs> yes <laughs> it's true yeah very severe um the only uh, welsh actress the only welsh performer uh, mm-hmm. among the main cast of of this film which i think is interesting um well, but the other thing about Pride as a uh queer palm winner is it's director Matthew Warkus is very very much a theater director and mm-hmm. while he's since
2: only made the Netflix Matilda movie. Uh,
1: right. Uh, and and before that had only made that movie Simpatico that I never saw from 99, which was based, which was an adaptation of a Sam Shepard play. And it starred Nick Nolte and Sharon Stone and Jeff Bridges and was about horse racing or like people who bred horses for horse racing or something like that. Like I said, I never saw it, um, but like is a hugely... Prolific and celebrated theater director. Uh, Seven-time Tony Award nominee. He won for directing God of Carnage. He was nominated for uh, Art, uh, True West, a revival of True West, a revival of Boeing, Boeing, a revival of the Norman Conquests. uh, And then most recently, the uh, Matilda musical on stage. And Groundhog Day was nominated for directing Groundhog Day. So, like, a hugely... You know, he works. Like, Matthew Marcus, like, Mm -hmm. works. Um, and while there are theater directors who have done film in a way that allows them to be celebrated auteurs, like Nichols and 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 Sam Mendes and you know mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Daldry, but I think a lot of times these direct these people who work primarily in theater don't always get that kind of like ushered into the club of auteur filmmakers and so again it's a little surprising that pride would get a cam prize for mm-hmm. um a movie that doesn't feel like it's part of the sort of like auteur uh, community mm-hmm. um a i don't can and even and
2: directors Fortnite as well have embraced you know the uh, British film industry and this type of movie before and like sure. and this is I mean I think this is a good uh, you know entry yeah. into
1: it's there's a world okay is there a world in which a movie like Pride and I'm not talking now specifically about camp but now I'm talking about like the American film awards industry. Is there a universe where a movie like Pride could have become a Billy Elliot, Full Monty-type crossover hit and awards nominee, or do Billy Elliot and the Full Monty having those very hooky elements like a cute kid or uh, schlubby old men stripping? Like, (laughs) Did Pride need to have a hook like that to have a chance at being that kind of a crossover. I mean,
2: it does have a hook like that. It's, you know, gay activism. But is, just, that,
1: is that good enough? Like, for the lack of a better it Does that you know I mean?
2: draw in straight right. people and, you know, right. the septuagenarians that show up to art houses um
1: this is not maybe. a movie that i think would turn off like i think like my parents would love a movie like pride you know what i mean right. like my parents right who watch, i wouldn't put who watched, in front of my mother but i would put right. this movie in front of her my parents um, who like watch like midsummer murders and like all of the like <laughs> nice little like pbs shows about like doctors in small towns and whatnot would fucking love this movie i think what would um, be your palm winner from this lineup? I want to
2: ask that question
1: before we move on. That's interesting. Um,
2: I always love looking back and being like, what's my palm winner of this lineup? Because I try to see as
1: much as I can from... Honestly, as somebody who didn't love Clouds of Sils Maria the first time, and like I like it better now, having watched it a couple more times since then, I think my palm winner is Mr. Turner, Mr. Turner's a good movie. I really, really loved Mr. Turner. Not to be like Anglophile about it, it, it can of all you know ghost well, things P- to be.
2: Mr. Turner was the movie that people were like, "It's two and a half hours long, but it feels five hours long." Like I loved
1: Mr. Be. Turner. I loved Timbuktu. Um, I never saw Tim Winter Buktu Sleep would be a good winner. I never saw Winter Sleep is the other one. Winter um, Sleep is not a bad Palm winner. I think my Palm again. Winner if is... you're gonna title a an a. a a, can <laughs> a four movie. hour movie winter, winter sleep. sleep it's a it's you're asking for it a little bit man. It takes,
2: part of it takes place in the winter okay. um i think my winner would be and i know some people might eye roll this but it would be alicia Warwalker's um the wonders i never saw that because i know either. some people are just like that movie's fine but what
1: was that movie about talk about that movie because i've never seen it
2: it's a family of sisters who are on their farm, and they are living rurally, and then... Uh uh, film production basically descends, uh, next to their property, and you know, there's, there's some magical realism to it a little bit. Uh, you know, Roarwalker also had that in, uh, Happy as Lazaro, Lazaro Felice. Um, maybe I'll just like go on an Alice Roarwalker, uh,
1: uh, kick this, this my summer. dude. I've been begging you to watch Happy as Lazaro. It's, Tremendous. I again, I've got so many movies on my list, man. Um, Yeah, I mean, Wonders
2: isn't as good as that movie, but like, I do ultimately think it's my favorite
1: movie in this lineup. She also has a movie and in competition at Cannes that has not screened yet. It screens very late in the festival on the last day, uh, La Chimera. Um, But I'm optimistic about that, both because she's had films in competition before, but also. She had my favorite of the live-action shorts at the Oscars this year, my which uh, Le Pupile, which was so fun and and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just lively. And you don't always get that in the live-action shorts. It's a sweeter movie. Like,
2: there's a sweetness to that movie that maybe is not entirely there in her features. But okay. I think... Her world, like the way that she like creates a world on screen is very much
1: present in my yeah. pupil. I'm um, now looking at the twenty fourteen can lineup and all I want to do is go down the line and say them like Monica Bellucci and just be like <laughs> Igoian She did say a lot of them. A yes.
2: Fellini, Bunuel,
0: Scorsese, Coppola, Tornatore, Custorica, Lynch.
1: Well, Loach is definitely one of them. Godar. Godar. Goda. Loach, Cronenberg. It's Dolan. so
2: fucking criminal that she did not she's not been able to say Cronenberg. They should not make her only because do that. I want to hear her Loach, Loach. Malik Odiar. Like, Gavone. Sorrentino, are of- my wen. Remember Molina. how
1: at one point it's Billy Crystal doing the uh musical uh mon- or, uh, uh parodies at the beginning of the Oscars became like required that it stopped <laughs> becoming like a fun thing and more became like no you gotta do it that's what can should do with Monica Bellucci is before every festival just park her on that center stage and just have her read the list of filmmakers by surname who are in competition at that year's can and that kicks off that's like the uh, Olympic torch lighting but for can. like that's yes. how every can should begin Hazan Abishius Kowatszynski and <laughs> It's all I want. his name? I apologize. It's all but. I want. Wankar. Why? Um, she's so good. Uh, I've gotta, I've, I'll, we'll have to click that.
2: that <laughs> okay, okay, what, what gets your Baluchi palm for best pronunciation of every name that she says in there?
1: It's Loach. Loach is the best one. Loach is so funny. <laughs> yeah, I think it's It's because Loach. she p- pauses before it, too, so Loach. she, like, she gives it a lot of space, and then she just goes, Loach. It's so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, anyway, any thoughts on Matthew Workus at all? Have you Did you ever see any of those, uh... Of of his productions. Again, he's directed quite a few. I definitely saw God of Carnage, which we talked it's about. It's been in our so Carnage long episode. since I've been in New York, but yes, I also saw God of Carnage. Yeah, I never saw the Norman Conquest. That was when I was just moving to the city, so I missed that. But uh, that was apparently a very a uh, uh, big deal at the Tonys that year. Um, all
2: right. So, okay. Yeah. I know that Pride played Tiff. Did you see it at that Tiff?
1: No. So, this is what I want to talk about is the concept of festival regret, which is a movie <laughs> w- that you end up seeing later on after the festivals. You see it in theaters or whatever and you love it so much and you're just like oh my god i wish i had seen this at the festival that i was at so sometimes this was sometimes you need the space around the movie though
2: that a festival does not give you
1: sometimes that's true but sometimes like there is something magical about seeing it in that sort of like rarefied air right. and 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 seeing it you know With without a, expectation a, an audience that's so
2: enthusiastic to be yeah. there
1: uh, so, no, I didn't – again, I was not as plugged into the Cannes Film Festival that year, so I didn't really – I probably hadn't heard about Pride until after TIFF, which is, like, a failing on my part. Like, I should have been more plugged in to a film that like, uh, like Pride, but I wasn't. But also, 2014 was my first year at Toronto where I was not on a uh, – critics pass, I had to just buy public tickets. It so, makes you locked into your schedule in a way. That it locks you into your schedule we and some freedom. I just didn't see as many movies, just in general, than I, <laughs> as I would have in subsequent festivals. But also, like, my first year at TIFF was a learning experience in terms of being able to ferret out which are the movies worth seeing. Like, I saw a lot in that first year at TIFF that I was like, why, ultimately, I was like, why did I see that movie? Why did I see Black and White, the Kevin Costner, uh, uh, Octavia Spencer movie about uh, adoption and racism? Why did I see the Mia Vasakowska Madame Bovary? Why did I see the Riot Boys? You know what I mean? Like, these movies yeah. that ended up, I was, like, the only person... <laughs> I knew who saw these movies, and I think you get better. Why did I see both the Humbling and the Mangler? At uh, I was going to say this whole festival concept of festival regret.
2: I have it more for things that I did see than things that I didn't see.
1: I you learn you learn. I think I've as the years have gone on, I've gotten better and better at knowing. Which movies to see, which movies to wait on, and which movies to sort of wait and hear if people... Mm -hmm. That's the thing is when you're on a a press pass, you're more able to wait and see uh, what people are saying and then maybe catch a later screening. Although this past Mm -hmm. year, they didn't have as many multiple screenings, so you had to be a little bit more uh, ahead of the ball.
2: I'll also say, and not just because... Uh, I'll be spending less time at the festival this year I'm I'm more embracing I don't have to see everything especially now it's like if I can if I'm covering it professionally it's one thing Sure, but like I don't have to see everything there because I found an incre- uh, increasingly so last year was bad that it's like if I saw it at the festival I'm less inclined to go see it again at the theater hmm. and I'm just going to the theater less and I
1: hate that okay so, yeah. Well, I can see that. I'm happy to I'm happy to save some things to see at home. Sure. Uh you also though see a lot more uh I think you you manage to see a lot more um smaller more out of the way movies in Toronto. Certainly that I do. I think I tend well, to try and skim. I'm so impatient. I to do the thing where it's like, well, this movie's <laughs> opening in a month and it's like can I can I hold my horses enough to wait an extra month to see this movie that I'm dying to see because I know it'll be like in wide release right. and I won't need to like and I'm so impatient that like I'm terrible at that. So some of that is also just how the schedule works out. Like yeah. I
2: think we were both initially fine to see uh The Woman King which opened during the festival right. um back at home and it just like was wide open on our schedule. Well, and day. people
1: we were, were like, so oh, enthusiastic yeah. about it that I was yeah. like, well, I just want to see
2: it. So, um I think For me, seeing some of those smaller things, like, I mean, you're not in New York City anymore, but, like, for me, it's always been, well, there's going to be significantly less opportunity for me to see some of those things. Yeah, I'm going to have to make decisions like
1: that this year, for sure. Yeah. Um, So, anyway, um, it it plays... Uh, you know what's funny is I gave you the sixty second plot description without reading the, the boilerplate. That's so funny. Oh um, <laughs> I never
2: that can't be the first time we've ever done. Well maybe We probably did that because we spent so much time talking the cast up front.
1: Yeah. Um oh, well. I also think we might have forgotten to do that with the Selena episode. We are out of practice. The main mini No, series... I do it
2: with the Selena okay, episode.
1: Okay, okay, good. Um I should say it that now. We're talking about we <laughs> we're talking about Pride, <laughs> directed by Matthew Warkus and <laughs> written by Stephen Beresford. <laughs> I do want to read the cast though, because like. Uh, yeah, read the cast. Get all those names out there. Starring George Mackay, Ben Schnetzer, Patty Considine, Mel Staunton, Andrew Scott, Dominic West, Bill Nye, Faye Marseille, Joseph Gilgan, Jessica Gunning, Freddie Fox, Karina Fernandez, Jesse Cave, Lisa Palfrey, and Russell Tovey as uh, the harbinger of doom and AIDS. Um, but this is why I remembered it, because like it premiered at Cannes in May of 2014, it premiered at TIFF. Uh, in September and that it opened limited release in the United States on September 26 2014. Mm-hmm. And I remember Not it getting the best weekend for an awards contender. Well, it sure didn't make very much money. It barely made a million and a half. It didn't even make a million and a half at the domestic box office. Um but I remember at least in like New York and among like our circle of like, you know, a, a gay folk who like movies, um there was a word of mouth that circulated around it for at least a couple weeks, Mm -hmm. and which is when I saw it. I saw it in theaters back in New York City. And um, it was enough of a discovery for me that I remember, like, I got very evangelical about this movie, and I was just like, anybody (laughs) who was willing to listen, I said. Um, It never played on more than 124 screens uh, during its uh, release, so it was like a very, very small release. And yet, it was well-liked enough on this side of the pond, to get a Golden Globe nomination for best uh, picture, musical or comedy, and then mm-hmm. in the UK, it got a good deal more attention. It was a it was the winner at the British Independent Film Awards, and it got three BAFTA nominations, including uh, Imelda Staunton for supporting actress.
2: That is definitely a nomination that is like about the performer and not necessarily the performance not to say that she's bad but like I can make I, I would probably name six or seven other performances that I think I prefer
1: in this movie here's what I will her. also say though Men- talking about how my parents would love this movie my parents would love this movie and the very first person they would talk to me is Isabel de, Isabel de they would they would Love the shit out of her character in this movie. Um, the other
2: thing about I think the U.S. reception and box office. This was distributed by CBS Films, which had a short, not unlike they they. It's not few movies. They had a good amount of movies, but like they never really had big hit movies. Even movies like Last Vegas that are like we know what that is and it's a punchline for us. But like. You know, they famously struggled with Inside Lou and Davis not getting a good box office run for that movie, and then mm-hmm. like kind of all of their movies just don't really do all that well. Yeah, and eventually they, you know, end up doing partnerships with other distribution outlets and such, like Lionsgate, famously. Yeah. Um, so it's like it. You can imagine a world where a focus has this movie or mm-hmm. a searchlight has this movie and it does much, much better Yeah, in the States.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, of the BAFTA nominations that it gets, uh, it wins Outstanding Debut by a British writer, director, or producer. Uh, Matthew Workus is uh, British. He uh, uh, took over as artistic director of The Old Vic after Kevin Spacey uh, sort of uh, uh, infamously... uh, Of all the things that Kevin Spacey did, I think his uh, stewardship of The Old Vic was probably the least controversial. Um, But Matthew Warkas does take over uh, in, I think, like 2015, 2016, something like that, at The Old Vic. Um, Wins the uh, outstanding debut by a British writer, director, producer. Like I said, Imelda Staunton, Nominated for Supporting Actress, loses to Patricia Arquette uh, on her route to winning the Oscar. That's an interesting category. Arquette, Emma Stone for Birdman, and Kira Knightley are the Oscar crossovers. And then instead of Meryl for Into the Woods and who else? Laura Dern for Wild, you get Imelda Staunton for Pride and Rene Russo for Nightcrawler. One of the interesting things about BAFTA, and certainly in this era of BAFTA, is there are those there are those odd nominations that make you be like, oh, maybe this person has more of a chance at the Oscars than I think. And then there are those odd nominations where you're just like, well it's because they're British. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And I think Imelda Staunton for Pride was probably one that people were like, well of course. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. we don't need to take that seriously. Which is too bad, because um, Pride in general should have been taken more seriously by the Oscars, but I think. But the that re-
2: Rene Russo nomination—that's like well, clear.
1: I think makes you wonder. Nomination how close she for came. BAFTA
2: was open right in that like two-week window that Rene Russo had some heat, and people were discussing that performance. Makes you wonder how
1: close she came to uh, where she where she ended up finishing. Maybe seventh on the Oscar ballot that year, behind I mean, Chastain
2: for screenplay. Right. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if Rene Russo was closer than Jake Gyllenhaal was.
1: Mm, I think Jake Gyllenhaal was plausibly sixth, and I think Jessica Chastain was probably your sixth place for Most Violent Year in supporting action. Definitely.
2: But, I mean, I don't know. I think if, like, Laura Dern surprises and gets in for Wild, that clearly shows some flexibility in that category. Yeah, that
1: makes sense. That makes sense. That Um,
2: might sound like sacrilege to people now, but listen... That year, Laura Dern was quite the surprise for that. Oh,
1: like I remember I yelled when that nomination got announced in my little living room watching that. I was so (laughs) happy Um, because it was one of those things, but it was like it was a long shot and it was one of the it was the long shot that I was hoping for, but it was a long shot um pride's also nominated the Baptist for best british film it loses to the theory of everything other nominees were the imitation game 71 uh the uh the other jack o'connell movie he was in uh starred up and then 71 and it was like how many movies about um, this is the year
2: of unbroken or was that the next year
1: unbroken i think is 16 right Ooh, hold on i don't know um uh, Under the Skins nominated for Best British Film, and then Paddington. Uh, uh, Paddington fans can rejoice. Hold on. Unbroken. I'm voting for Under the Skin, personally, um, as an American. Oh, no, uh, you're right. Non-optimal. 2014 is Unbroken. I don't know why I thought it was 2016. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Jack o- that was the that was the Jack O'Connell year. It was starred up in 71, and... Um and Unbroken you're totally right can we talk about some bullshit um, yeah
2: Pride has no movies for grown up nominees I feel it's like so stupid why a glaring omission talk about best intergenerational story say like, it say that <laughs> say that exactly um, yeah yeah that's what I have to say Bill Nye should have been a supporting actor nominee
1: at uh, the M4G's Bill Nye should have been a sporting actor nominee intergenerational intergenerational uh story absolutely mm-hmm. um best movie for grown-ups I'll best time it. capsule best time capsule thank you yes um i'm going through my notes and primary among them is what i will say is a an event or a like monthly party in a big major city called pits and perverts would do so well Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. uh, in the context people would be confused about what type of pits that
2: were being i don't think uh, they
1: would be confused at all i think that would be the intended meaning in 2023 (laughs) i think that i think the context would change but it would be quite popular I'm throwing pits... Listen, all I'm saying is I'm throwing the pits and perverts party and retiring a wealthy, wealthy gay man is what I will
2: You be. know, the, uh, the scene... Do you know how much people pay
1: to go to these fucking warehouse parties these days? Like... I mean... Girl... For a fucking it, like, for literally the privilege of like just going into a warehouse and getting to do their little drugs and and dance to their little music, I could make money hand over fist, calling that's I I, I I support their ability to do so, and me too. Uh, Listen, a- go the- off.
2: I, Whatever. however, for a party called Pits and Perverts, uh, you know the scene in uh, Silence of the Lambs when they're investigating the dead body oh, and no. they take out the vicks and rub it on their nose. That would be me at that party. <laughs> it's, it's not for me. I I do not yuck any yums uh, between consenting adults. But oh not for my me. god, that's um,
1: so funny. Uh, <laughs> um, also, uh, Steph uh early on in the movie uh says to Bromley about one of the girls at the party she broke my heart at the smiths concert which which just feels like a perfect line of dialogue from uh yeah, yeah. for a movie like that um this screenwriter Stephen Beresford write another movie, my dude like this was so good like i don't I, mean. I don't understand that like and you know. Maybe no one uh, uh, commissioned him to write anything after that, but, like, I would love to see... He's done a lot of TV since then, um, and nothing super recently, so I don't know what's... uh... He was was primarily an actor, which is the interesting thing. Um, uh, Sort of, he only has four writing credits to his name, one of which is he wrote the movie Tolkien, um terrible movie (laughs) never saw maybe that's what happened (laughs) horrible movie um not good Um, maybe that's what happened then uh uh, the nicholas holt movie uh uh, tolkien what was the problem with tolkien
2: um it is generally snoozy and kind of dumb uh as far as a biopic is concerned uh absolutely none of the great things about uh pride are there so i will not blame him okay uh, for that
1: all right um but anyway yeah primarily an actor uh uh but you know come write something else i don't know um i think he wrote a play recently he wrote a play uh three kings recently so maybe that's what he's been up to since Tolkien Um, any other sort of like uh, dribs and drabs news and notes about pride that you want to throw in here
2: uh I mean I feel like not enough people have watched it, but the people who have do love it so if you That's haven't the seen thing. the movie uh if we have not uh preached at you enough about it uh go watch it uh also if I haven't been preachy enough uh support your trans community support a non-binary community um right now shit is getting scary and it's only getting scarier um not just here in the states but elsewhere. And uh, happy and support, Pride season.
1: Support your labor unions. Uh, at the GLAAD yes. Awards, uh, Jill Kimbooster accepted an award for Fire Island and gave a fantastic speech. Go check it out. I am so proud
2: to be a member of the Writers Guild of America. And I, I can't thank them enough for giving me for creating a framework that made this movie not only just a hobby but life-changing for me economically, um, I, I hope that you all stand in solidarity with us as we move forward. They, l- labor issues are queer issues. Corporate greed is homophobia. Pay us. They want to replace us with AI. And I can tell you now definitively that AI does not have the trauma, the joy or the lived experience to create any of these stories that we are honoring tonight.
1: That is Mm -hmm. the truth y'all. And, um, uh we're only we're only getting out of this together and that's sort of the the message of a movie like pride and i think it's incredibly applicable this uh this june this pride and always so check it out like i said paramount plus go watch it all right chris do you want to explain to the listeners what the IMTV game is
2: The IMDb game, which has been in short supply in the month of May, and we are very rusty in getting back into it. Uh, it's what we end all of our episodes with, where we challenge each other to guess the top four titles that IMDb says an actor or actress is most known for. If there are any titles or, uh, if any of those titles are television voice only performances or non acting credits, we'll mention that up front. After two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles release years as a
1: clue. If that's not enough, just becomes. Free for all of hints. Free for all. All right, uh, Chris. Would you like to give first or guess first? Free for all of hints, pits, and perverts. <laughs> um,
2: yes, I'll guess first. Why not? All right. Why not? So you know, uh, I'm being brave. This pride. Season. Good for you. I'm very. So I'm, I'm gonna exhibit bravery and guess first.
1: I will fall on that sword. All right. Great, great. So we talked about how Pride was a Golden Globe nominee for Best Picture Comedy or Musical. It was nominated alongside Birdman and Into the Woods and St. Vincent. Uh, an interesting collection of nominees there, but they all lost to Wes Anderson's The Grand Budapest Hotel. And that movie's honestly often uh, uh, baffling and not in a pejorative way necessarily uh, awards run. I still find myself just kind of amazed at the the awards run that that movie went relative to wes anderson's other movies um the star of that movie who we've talked about very recently because he was one of our 100 years 100 snubs choices was rafe fines who we've never done an imdb game on so why don't you sir give me Uh. the known for for rafe fines Well,
2: uh, I mean, speaking of Harry Potter and not mentioning its demonic creator, um, I wonder if any of those are there. I'm going to guess Deathly Hallows Part 2.
1: Not Deathly Hallows Part 2.
2: Okay, good. I'm fine with that. Um,
1: English Patient. No, not the English Patient. Two strikes Damn, right off of the bat. I am
2: striking out on Ray Fines.
1: My bravery was not
2: rewarded. Um, All right,
1: so your years are... 1993, 2005, 2011, and 2014. 93 is Schindler's List. Yes.
2: Uh, Give me those 2000s
1: again. 2005, 2011, 2014. Is one of those Skyfall? No, that was 2012.
2: Okay. Um, Is
1: 05 Goblet of Fire? No. Although I believe that was... No, Goblet, well, I don't know what your goblet of fire is. Uh but no, it's not. Who cares? Um Uh well okay, uh Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest Hotel is your twenty fourteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes.
2: Um okay, two thousand Did you say eleven or twelve? Eleven. And oh 05. five. So his tremendous work in a bigger splash is not on there. Correct. Um perfect summer movie. People go watch that. True, too. yes. Um Okay, so... These are also not those... Is he even in those Kingsman movies?
1: I think he's in one of them, at least, right? I couldn't...
2: Oh, 05 is Constant
1: Gardner. It is the Constant Gardener. You're very right. Um, the last movie I saw before going to college. Yeah, he's um, in the Kingsman in 2021.
2: Who cares? Um... Uh... Okay, so... Uh, 12 which is
1: it's not 12 it's 11 2011
2: 11 is it an Oscar movie
1: no it's a movie we could we could do for this podcast
2: okay so but it is like a, uh, a some type of adjacent prestige or indeed I'm guessing he's not first
1: build he is first build I would I would be surprised if he wasn't oh Oh, is it the Invisible Woman? No, that was an Oscar nominee for costumes. Oh, I'm pretty right, sure. right,
2: right, 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 right. Um,
1: yeah, he's definitely. Is first it like
2: book. the Invisible Woman?
1: <laughs> uh, no. Is it modern? Um, it's a modern take.
2: Okay, but it's not Shakespeare. It is Shakespeare. Is it Coriolanus? It's
1: Coriolanus. What the fuck? He directed it, like yeah. you know, is he that credited helps. as director? He's uh oh, uh no, he's credited as well. Hold on a second, I clicked over to look at the movie. Um, no, he's credited as his lead role, uh, Caius Martius Coriolanus. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, but he did also direct. Saw it. that movie in the theater. I saw it on a screener, I'm pretty sure. When in my early days, of, I think that's when I was still like bumming screeners off of Katie. Um, but yes, uh, I saw that one uh, on the
2: screen. Uh, uh, do not out her as sharing screeners. Oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> come Delete this. Come at us. Um, uh, protect this woman. Um, whatever. Okay. Yes. Uh, Literally done by me.
1: All right, what do you guessing, have
2: for me? I'm guessing you are going to do better than I did. I was actually going into other cinematic representations of The Miner's Strike. One that we have mentioned is the motion picture Billy Elliot, and I chose Billy. for you
1: its star, Jamie Bell. Oh, baby boy. um, Not a baby not boy anymore. anymore. <laughs> okay, Jamie like 40. Bell. Listen, forties, forties, baby. <laughs> 40's the new 40. 40's the new baby. 40's the new 40 is depressing. Okay. 40's the new baby. <laughs> um, I'll take a t-shirt that says 40 is the new baby. Okay. Uh, I will
2: too in uh, a rapidly approaching amount of time.
1: Billy Elliot,
2: I got to imagine is one of those uh, I four. mean, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's going to be a bummer that this is one of them, but I'm going to guess the awful Fantastic Four. Correct. Yeah. Okay.
2: Congrats um, on remembering that he is in that movie. Yeah. Okay. Did you see the like days worth of rumors that Mila Kunis was going to be the thing in the
1: new Fantastic Four? I only so, saw like, like one tweet about that, and it seemed so ridiculous that I was like, "I'm, I'm not taking this." Well,
2: on. she ended up speaking out and being like, "No, that's not me." But like, it was. If I wish it had been true, because that is so like bonkers that yeah. would have actually made me go see that movie yeah but eh, anyway
1: all right what other jamie bell things hi May though um is it jamie bell who's in tintin the adventures of tintin he
2: is in tintin
1: that's my guess incorrect hmm. um jumper Jumper, okay, correct. All right, uh, Doug Lyman, right? Is jumper. Um, sure. that's the movie where Samuel L. Jackson has that, like, uh, Lil Nas X, silver spray painted, uh, uh, hair thing.
2: I don't think on. I ever saw a jumper because that is not ringing a bell. Eh,
1: it's fine. Um, all right, one more for Jamie Baby Bell. Baby, they should call him Baby Bell, like the little cheeses that you like a the cheese uh, it's the only time I've ever had Babybel is on the Amtrak. It's part of their little cheese and crackers box. Um, and then I fiddle around with the little wax rind for the rest of the trip. I'm like a child <laughs> with Play-Doh. I'm like my nephew with Play-Doh or whatever, <laughs> just being like, "Clown nose." Okay. Um,
2: Do you also feed the wax to Elmo? <laughs>
1: um, uh, I don't, but I should. Um, okay. Uh, it's one not more movie, be like, you only have one wrong guess. I know. It's not going to be like Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool, although I guess that's what I'll use if I need to burn a guess. Um, why can't I think of, like, sort of, uh, Undertow? Incorrect. He's so good in that movie. Uh, remember
2: when David Gordon Green made good movies? Yeah. Um, the year is 2013. That is not the U.S. release date.
1: Is 2014? I believe it's
2: 2015.
1: Oh, a long delayed movie. Uh, just
2: in America.
1: For like a reason that would explain it.
2: For reasons that would piss you off, but yeah.
1: Is it like a Weinstein sat on it for two years? One million percent. Oh God. Um, Weinstein sat on it and fucked with it. Is it um, Grace of Monaco? No. Um... Much better movie. <laughs> much better. Okay, is it a movie that I like?
2: I would be surprised if you didn't like this movie. Okay, it's not a perfect movie, but I'd be surprised if you uh, didn't like it. It is- ended up being there. Was, it was somewhat of a critical rallying point, I believe. Got a. It might have even been a SAG nominee, but it, I believe it definitely BAFTA and Critics' Choice nominee. In, like, an acting category? Yes. For him? No. Okay. There are a lot of people in this movie. I am not surprised you maybe don't remember him in this movie.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the problem. But, like, a, a
2: director s- who would later have their moment.
1: Oh. Like a winner moment? Yes. Is it Guillermo del Toro? No. Is it. Um, well, Quaron had won by then. Uh, it wouldn't be a Chloe Zhao. Um, I'm trying to, like, go through, like, the directors who, like, had their moment in subsequent years. Um,
2: I would argue. Oh, it's
1: Snowpiercer.
2: It's Snowpiercer. I
1: did forget that he's in Snowpiercer. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Good I've been wanting to rewatch Snowpiercer. Like, obviously, in 2019, we did, we, you know, went nuts for Bong Joon-ho and his next movie comes out is it next year or is it not even till like 2025 oh no I think it's next year it's
1: the one I think it's next year what is it something um, with a zero in it um, Mickey 17 Mickey 17 that's what it is yeah and
2: um, it Mickey 17 sounds like it's gonna have Snowpiercer vibes um,
1: Mickey 17 I think you think it's so far in the future because like it was announced as a 2024 movie like in 2022 like it's one of those things where like they weren't even pretending it filmed
2: in like 2021 it
1: was one of those things where like they weren't even even pretending that it was going to try sometimes these things will say TBA 2023 even when they know yeah. that they're not going to be ready until the next year But yeah.
2: there's going to be some wild visual effects things coming in that movie I feel like mm-hmm. for it to have that long of a post production also
1: the cast is beyond delicious Pattinson and Stephen yeah. Young and Tony Collette and Mark Ruffalo and Naomi Ackie it's like give it to me now give it to me right now Um, alright Good movie, good IMDb games, good time had by all. Uh, lesbians and gays support the minors. Support the minors. Uh, all right. That's our episode. If you want more This at Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz and our Instagram at Uh Chris, where can the listeners find more of you?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter
1: and Letterboxd at Chris V. File. That's F-E-I-L. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd, at Joe Reed, Reed spelled R-E-I-D. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork, and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to like and rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you get podcasts. A five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcasts visibility, so before you head out to that perverts and pits party, write us up something nice. Thank you. That's all for this week, but we hope you'll be back next week for more Buzz. Just get
2: the perverts not the pits
1: <laughs> the perverts but not the pits sounds like a uh like a bathroom uh, uh book of like uh sayings and, and or a sex pistols album or that yeah it's like irma bombeck though it's like uh life's a bowl of cherries and i got the pits like that kind of a thing but it's uh <laughs> but it's like gay <laughs> anecdotes is what it is
0: oh boy
2: happy bride